0: Uh, we are in, our, uh, in the third week of Advent, which Advent is the season in the church calendar where we await the coming of Jesus. Um, and obviously there, in that there's an irony or a, a tension because Jesus has come, right, already, and yet in the season we're preparing uh, scripturally for the birth of Jesus Christ, and also at the same time preparing as believers and followers for the coming of Jesus again. And so in that we live in the now and not yet, right? We experience nowness, we experience joy, we experience community, we experience uh, miracles and healing and and the presence of God and the kingdom of God in our midst. And at the same time we're still waiting because the world is full of suffering. The world is, uh, there's hate, there's conflict, there's division, disunity, there isn't peace on earth. And yet, Jesus means God with us, right, Emmanuel, God with us, uh, and peace on earth. And so, we live in that tension, um, and we wait, and in that waiting, uh, we have hope, uh, we have each other, and we have prayer, and the Holy Spirit comes and meets us uh, when we meet Him. But this week, uh, we're the passage is Luke 1, 46-45. And in your Bibles, there might be a subtitle that says the Magnificat or Mary's song, right? So Magnificat is just a fancy Latin word uh, for uh, magnify or glorify in some translations. But there's a big Latin phrase, uh, Magnificat anima mea Dominum. My soul magnifies the Lord. And so this passage, Mary's song, is often called the Magnificat because it begins with magnifica anima mea domino, which is Latin. My soul glorifies the Lord. And Luke is interesting. In the chapters one and two of Luke, there's actually four songs, not just Mary songs, but Mary song in Luke 46 through 45, and 167 through 78 is Zachariah song. Do you guys remember Zachariah? Zachariah is John the Baptist's father. Um, and then there's the angel song in Luke 2, 13-14. And then Simeon's song, Luke 2, 29-32. And this is interesting because something is about to come, right? The world is about to change. Something great is about to happen. And in the mid- right before you feel the building up, right, you feel the building up of something coming, of someone coming, of who that is coming. And this is Jesus. This is God incarnate coming to the earth just as it was prophesied in the scriptures and people are breaking out in song because there's reversals are happening in the case of Zachariah and Elizabeth it says that they were too old to have children but then an angel shows up to Zechariah and says you're about to have a son and he's like what I'm too old and uh, for Elizabeth, the message is, uh, actually the scripture says that she was labeled because she had no children. So there's a stigma there for a woman who had no children in that culture, we can gather. Uh, but the angel says to, um, to Elizabeth, this, your son of yours will bring great joy to the earth. Because he'll prepare the way for the Messiah. So there's this reversal Right, there's this stigma and yet joy, the sun that'll bring joy and this miracle. And so people are breaking out uh, in song because the impossible is about to happen. There's gonna be a great reversal. There's gonna be an interruption, right, in the status quo and the way things are supposed to be. And so Mary's song is embedded in the midst of these four songs in the beginning of Luke chapters one through two. And there's a lot of interesting other things to note about Mary's song or the Magnificat. Uh, The first thing is a lot of commentators, a lot of people compare it to Hannah's song in the Old Testament. You guys know Hannah, the mother of Samuel, the prophet Samuel? She dedicates him to the temple, to service in the temple. There's Hannah's song. And Hannah's song has some of the same elements of reversals right? Up becomes down, down becomes up, right? The poor are lifted up, the great and the evil are torn down. And so in Mary's song two, she glorifies the Lord and then dot, 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 there's all of these reversals, right? One, scattered, the scattered, God is going to scatter the proud. God has brought down rulers. God has sent the rich away empty. And then on the flip side of that, God has lifted up the humble. God has filled the hungry. God has helped his servant. God has been mindful of the state of his servant. And so in Mary's heart as she's singing praise, there's this gratitude and a sense of joy over the reversals that God is bringing. Because she herself has experienced this, right? Just as Elizabeth has that stigma, that label of being barren or childless, We can imagine that Mary, she's just learned that she's about to have a child, she's engaged to be married, and what? The angel comes and says, you're going to have a kid. And Mary's like, I've had no relations, right? How can I have a child? And in that culture, you know what happens to people who have children out of wedlock, right? The punishment can be stoning. And Joseph, being a kind man, we read in other parts of the Gospels, uh, agreed to kind of like break off the engagement essentially quietly, instead of saying, ah, look at her. Because he couldn't believe that a baby would just be in (laughs) Mary's womb. And so Mary, too. She's visited by this angel, but it's kind of a mixed, it's mixed news, right? Is it good news? Is it bad news? I'm not sure. I just know I need to be faithful. I will do my good. I will be the Lord's servant and do as he says. And yet you can imagine that she's also feeling shame, right? Cultural, societal, familial shame. And uh, I don't know if you have the slide here. Next slide. Yeah, this is the visitation by Heck who's a Chinese artist, Um, he paints uh, Christian art, but in a a very abstract way, which is why I really like him, because there's lots of uh, scriptures that he paints. And this is the visitation, which is uh, the passage right before Mary's song. As Mary has gone, after she's been visited by uh, the angel, she's gone to her cousin Elizabeth's home. And Elizabeth is six months pregnant with John the Baptist. Right? And if you look at this picture, uh, I like it because it's before the joy. Before the joy, how is Mary feeling? Her head is down, her eyes are closed. You see this kind of timidness. You also see maybe shame. Uh, sad, sadness, shame. Uh, and then Elizabeth has this water jar in her hand because she's come... She's uh, Mary has come her cousin has come and she's opening her home to her in hospitality and she's receiving Mary and it's this receiving this hospitality that I think is the powerful moment in this section because it says when they meet right and this is if you want if you're checking it's uh, Luke chapter one right before uh, verses 46. Mary and Elizabeth are coming together, two pregnant women, related women, and it says the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. Right? And I've never been a mother, I've never been a pregnant mother, so I don't know the feeling of being connected to your child so intimately. I imagine it's incredible, incredibly powerful, just because I know, like when my wife was pregnant, And she said, oh, Isaiah's moving, right? Here, put your hand on the belly. And I put my hand on her belly, and there's this weird, like, movement, right? It was an amazing feeling. Like, this creature, this item, this thing, or this human, right? I don't know. For the first time, I have connected as a father, I'm I'm kind of aloof and distant from what's going on inside, but now I feel life moving around inside her womb, so I'm connected, right? And it's this amazing feeling, and I cannot imagine how much more it would be for the mother experiencing this. So in the womb of Elizabeth, she meets Mary, and boom, there's this, the baby leaps for joy. That's powerful. That's a powerful moment. It's a powerful reversal. It's a powerful transformative moment. Amen? Yeah. And what does Elizabeth say to Mary? <laughs> Elizabeth says, Blessed are you. Happy are you. Something like, I don't have the scripture in front of me. Blessed are you above all women. Right? because you have been faithful, because you are a faithful servant. And so, taking, if you take this image, right, of shame and embarrassment, or I don't know what's happening, I'm scared, I'm a teenager, right, that's pregnant. And then this blessing that Elizabeth gives that comes actually from her, literally her womb, her gut, blessing Mary, right, and that's when Mary sings, that's when Mary gives praise and magnifies, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, look at that first couplet, if you're an English lit major, couplet is like two lines of poem my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices God and God my savior. So you have my soul, my spirit. So the insides of me, two insides, my soul, my spirit glorifies the Lord, God my savior. So I'm reminded of the psalm that says deep cries unto deep. Basically she's saying deep inside of me is connected to the Lord above, the Lord God my Savior. I have this deep connection now. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my womb. Right? I feel the change that's happening in me. This joy that's emerging. This effervescence, it's emerging, it's spilling out like hot water over a mug. Amen? And I can't help it. It doesn't have to do with my circumstance. It doesn't matter how rich or poor I am. It doesn't matter if I'm alone or with lots of people. It doesn't matter if I'm this or that. If I'm homeless or I ho- have a home. It doesn't matter if I'm jobless or I have a job. Right? God is bringing this joy out of me. It doesn't matter what's happening around me. It comes from God. My soul glorifies the Lord My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Are you with me, church? Yes. Yes. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. And then next is this whole string of what God has done, both for her as an individual and for the people of Israel, right, the generations. So we have this connection between the individual and the past, the present, and the future. The whole God story, the story of salvation that we've read in scripture, Mary is connecting herself to the larger story, the meta story, if you will. And God, we have this whole string of God being the active case being the subject of these active verbs. The mighty one has done great things for me. His mercy extends to those who fear. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry and good things. He has set the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. He has remembered to be merciful. To Abraham and his descendants, just as he promised to our ancestors. God is the active voice. God is the initiator. God acts upon us. God gives. God renews. God heals. God lifts up. God is the one who brings reversals. And in those reversals, we bring glory to God. There's glory in the reversals. Amen? Whew, I'm sweating, it's hot in here. (laughs) God is great, God is big, God is powerful. He is and was and forever will be greater than any human power, any empire, any catastrophe in your life, any crisis, any worry, any obstacle, any fear, any conflict, any health concern that you have. God has always been bigger than anything that you've experienced, that we've experienced. God was bigger in scripture than Egypt. God was more powerful than the Pharaoh. God was greater than the Babylonians and the Assyrians. He was more powerful than the Roman Empire. God was greater than Caesar. God was greater than the Byzantine Empire and the Mongol Empire and the Holy Roman Empire and the Ottoman Empire and the Spanish Empire and the Russian Empire and the British Empire and the modern Chinese empire, and the Japanese empire, and he's even greater than what some of us call the greatest nation of the world, the U.S. of A. Greater than all emperors, monarchs, dictators, tyrants, presidents, prime ministers. God is greater than the leader of the free world, even. And when we give glory, when our soul magnifies anyone, We give allegiance to the Lord, to God our Savior, to God be the glory, to God be praise. We magnify only God. And I hear too much in our world today of people giving allegiance to other things, other rulers, other leaders, other parties, right? We give glory to God, amen? It's his kingdom. That's the church. The question is, is your God too small? If your God is small, you will rely on yourself and not on him. If your God is too small, you will trust money before you turn to your savior. If your God is too small, you will play games with people and run from intimacy. You'll protect yourself instead of taking risks with love. If your God is too small, you will allow the voices of media and pundits and bullies and small-hearted cynics tell you lies about who you are, rather than a truth about who God says you are, amen? If your God is too small, you will not pray for big things, but you will allow the big weights and worries of life to crush you and keep you down. If your God is too small, you will never feel you have enough and you will avoid generosity with the scarcity mentality instead of an abundance mentality. If your God is too small, you will rely on yourself And not on God. You will seek to magnify yourself. And not God. You will starve for self-glory. Instead of God. My soul. Glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices. In God my savior. For he. God is the subject. I went off my notes. (laughs) Where am I? Mary is surprised by joy. Who knows what urged her to go visit Elizabeth, right? She needed connection. She needed someone who understood, someone who had some sort of common ground. Oh, my cousin Elizabeth, she's randomly pregnant. I'll go and visit her because I'm randomly pregnant, right? She's drawn to Elizabeth and when she goes, she's surprised by joy and that's what God does. He surprises us with joy, right? He changes the narrative, he reverses the story in our lives, and we need to look and be aware and open our eyes for that, changing in the narrative in our own lives, because some of us might have dead-end books, dead-end endings, right, in our own stories, and we're like, oh, tired of this, oh, I'm in despair, oh, this brings me down, oh, it's the same old, same old again, oh, the same patterns are, you know, making me stumble, but God can surprise us with joy. God can make a difference, can change your path, can change the story. Amen? Amen. The same word, root, uh, in Greek, the magnificat, magnify, is uh, megaleo, right? And that's the same root that we get mega from, megas, which is great, kind of like megaphone, like a great sound, a device that makes a great sound, mega Right? And when God meets us, when deep cries out to deep, uh, we will, our response is like a megaphone. We proclaim it out loud. Joy bursts out. We giggle. We laugh, right? How many of you have been in, you know, or you kids out there, you youth out there, have you ever like started laughing inappropriately with your friends, maybe in class? or at home, yep. and the teacher's like, stop yep. laughing! Yep. You're not supposed to laugh, and you're just, but then you yep. look at each other's faces, and you're like <laughs> Yep, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Right? Um, <laughs> that is you. <laughs> um, that's me all the time. Right? When joy spills for- forth, we can't help to give praise. We can't help, it's like la- uncontrollable laughter. Right, we want to praise, we want to blast out. We want to shout it from the mountaintops. We want to sing praise. Our soul wants to glorify God. Our praise and worship is spilling forth. It's the same joy and it comes from a long-suffering prayer, from dogged trust and faith in the midst of not knowing, in the midst of mystery, unanswered prayers, in the midst of struggle. It is joy that comes from leaning into a mighty God and having him meet us with the face of love through a neighbor or a friend or a family member. My soul magnifies the Lord. Magnify, magnify, magnify. I'm getting so excited I want to rip my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> to, amen. Don't do to God. Please don't, don't do, do that. that. Don't cause us you should do To it. God be the glory. He alone is worthy of our great praise. Jesus is the God of reversals, He is the righteous King that brings equity for the hungry and servant. We learned that last week in the Isaiah passage. Jesus is the righteous king that brings equity for the hungry and the poor and the servant. Jesus is the king in whose land the wolf dwells with the lamb and the child reaches a hand across the serpent's nest. Safety, shalom, the fullness of home. Mary's song reminds us, I want to. I'm so excited. I want to make a rap album called Jesus is King. Oh, that was already done. Um, bad jokes. Safety, shalom, fullness of home. Mary's song reminds us that God is powerful, and we are part of His grand salvation story. It is a story of love and mercy, of great intimacy and great joy. Let's sing praise. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise of your son. Thank you that we have examples in scripture of people praising you, of people who have experienced your power in their life. Let us look to Mary, uh, not as the end of herself, of but as someone who's faithful to you, and someone who's experienced your power And your miracle in our life. And help us to give joy. uh, Give praise. And to sing out and shout out. Just as she did. In Jesus name.